0: It's been so clear and so obvious that God doesn't waste time
1: or pain or suffering. And I think if we are constantly having this mindset of what's next is better, then we're never going to be happy.
2: Hey, we're back. Welcome back to Old Maid, Season 2. This is a podcast about living faithful single life in a very married church, and I'm your host, Geraldine. You're about to listen to a conversation with Bethany and Kristen, the hosts of Looking for the Middle podcast, a Christian girl's guide to modern dating. They talk about the deep spiritual things of dating, and also like the super practical stuff, like how to flirt. They hail from north of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in Manitoba, Canada. And we recorded this in peak COVID, so... They were under a shelter-in-place order at the time. I was not, but pretty close. So you'll hear some references to that. But hey, this was such a fun conversation, and I know that you're going to enjoy it. They have some great stuff to say. All right, well, so the first one is to talk a bit about yourself, what you do for work and fun. So let's start with you, Bethany, and then we'll go to Kristen for
0: that. Okay. For work, I'm actually on staff at my church, full-time. So... I do that for work, and then I also do that for fun. I guess you could say too. Most of my friends and like social stuff is just uh, at church too. But as far as just like fun, fun stuff, I I like photography. Nothing fancy, just with my iPhone. <laughs> um, I'm a big sports fan. Going to sporting events, watching sports. I like hospitality, throwing parties, that sort of thing. So if I can do that around a sporting event, it's even better. And then just, you know, game nights with friends, we play board games, we hang out, pretty low-key stuff. These days you can't do sports and you can't do hospitality, so what are you doing? Watching a lot of Netflix. (laughs) Totally fair. Yeah, I I saw something, I guess it was on Facebook the other day, someone said, well, I finished Netflix, what's next? And I was like, I can relate to that.
2: (laughs) I have moved on to uh, online lecture series because I'm that
1: kind of nerd. So. Okay, oh, yeah. you are a better person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it sounds way more productive than me watching Boy Meets World on Disney Plus right now, which is what I've been <laughs> binging.
0: I've been binging I Love Lucy. Oh, that sounds like fun.
1: Oh, your turn, okay, Kristen. So my, tell me about yourself. My turn. I so I'm Kristen. I for work, I am a marketing project manager and a writer. So I work with nonprofits and pastors, um, who have TV ministries and I help them with their marketing and content creation. Uh, I'm finally figuring out how to give a shorter description of my job. Cause for the longest time it was <laughs> way too long. Um, for fun though, gosh, what do I do for fun these days, I love to write. So that's something that I love to journal. I have a blog that I do. In addition to our podcasts that I really enjoy. So I'll do that. I'm also a big sports fan, uh, which is really sad right now considering we can't do anything about it, but I played basketball growing up, so that's my favorite. So anytime I can watch it, shoot around, I'll do that. And then I really have loved, since we've been quarantined, going on drives, which sounds really lame, but I will literally just get in my car and roll the windows down and listen to music and drive around as an excuse to get out of the house and also not endanger people or myself with... (laughs) getting the virus doesn't sound lame to me in a nutshell thank you I appreciate that
2: (laughs) I haven't I haven't started doing that yet but mostly just because maybe I just can't get out of the mindset of like needing to save gas I guess Mm -hmm. like when when I I wasn't working from home I was traveling so much that I was just like oh my gosh just get me out of this car and I haven't (laughs) been able to switch over that mindset yet
1: I get that I get that uh, maybe maybe if y'all get a shelter in place order Where you're at You may uh, be like oh I'm ready to drive again Like this will be a fun new adventure yeah. <laughs> There's
0: like stages of quarantine Like you just you get to each stage progressively As you go And we're
1: just a few stages ahead of you as all
0: <laughs> Oh, Probably probably yeah <laughs> I mean, Maybe you'll a- never
1: actually get to this place And that would be wonderful If y'all didn't have oh, to get this far That
2: would be well, nice I w- I'm i not holding my breath I, I totally suspect that we will Um <laughs> Tell me a bit about your life growing up and what were your expectations for adult life and marriage? I can start with you again, Anthony.
0: Okay. Um Honestly, it's funny. Growing up, I mean I I'm the oldest of four and we were homeschooled growing up. I grew up in church and Looking back, like we didn't really talk a lot, like specifically about like, okay, here's what life looks like. You grow up and you get married. Like we didn't talk about it, but there was kind of an understood, like you go up, you go to college, you get married, you have kids, you, you homeschool the kids, you, whatever. Like it just was like this unspoken thing, I guess it was just kind of ingrained. And so it's almost like that, that life trajectory was just assumed. And so, I mean, I'm 33 now. And (laughs) I I graduated from college. I did that one, but you know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. And so that trajectory didn't happen. And so it was kind of like, I mean, I'm past it now, but there was this point of like, okay, I didn't have a backup plan. So Mm -hmm. like now what do I do? You know what I mean? There was kind of this limbo time of trying to figure out what that looked like. Um, probably in my mid twenties, but I'm, I'm in a good place now with that. Like I'm, happy, but it there was definitely this time of like, okay, plan B, according to me, it was obviously God's plan A all along, but in my understanding, like trying to figure out that backup plan took a little time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. What about you, Kristen?
1: So I had a pretty similar upbringing that Bethany did. I grew up Big family, really strong Christian family. Um, and my parents, they have an incredible marriage. I've always said, you know, if my marriage one day is half as great as theirs, I will be happy as a clam. And um, so watching them set that example for me kind of set the expectation or started with setting my expectations for what I wanted my future to look like. And my they got married when they were 21, and my dad had just graduated college. My mom was still in school. You know, they started having kids at, you know, 26, 27. And so I just kind of thought my life would follow the same progression. And when I was 16, I literally sat down and wrote out my life plan for the next you know 13 years of I was going to go to school and here's what I was going to major in. And here's when I would meet my husband and here's when we would get married. And then I'd have my first kid at 27 and, you know, all of it mapped out. And now we're 11 years later. I'll be 27 tomorrow. And not a single thing on the list came true. So (laughs) it's funny now. It wasn't funny for a really long time. It was more a little more heartbreaking because you get, like Bethany said, to this point of, oh, no, okay, this isn't happening the way I thought it would. And my parents got married young. All my grandparents got married young. So I was kind of the first person in my family that had gone through their early, mid, and now into my late 20s without a husband. So what does that look like? And... I'm figuring it out as I go along, but um, definitely my reality and my expectations did not match at all. Let's just put it that way.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That actually sounds quite similar to my my story as well. I also grew up in a, well, a family of four and also a homeschool family. And my parents got married at 19 and 21. Mom never went to college, Dad did. And so, yeah, I sort of expected that was the way life was going to go to. <laughs> yeah. And I had to sort of actually yeah. go, hmm, I guess I better come up with something else. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, for both of you, what was the journey that led you to being single today?
1: Um, oh gosh, led me to being single today. Well, I my parents were really good about it was right before I start went to college that they started asking me, you know, Kristen, what are you?' going to look for in a husband? You know, what are qualities that are important to you that you want to have in a spouse? And so I started thinking through that and I, you know, had the list and wrote it all down. And obviously that's changed a lot from 17 year old Kristen to now, as far as what's important and what I'm looking for. And, but I feel like the foundation of that list has pretty much stayed the same. And so I've been in three serious relationships one in college and two after. And the first two I ended because things weren't lining up with what I was looking for, whether it was a difference in priorities or a difference in things that I would have liked for us to seen eye to eye on that we didn't or lifestyle choices, whatever that was. I didn't see that being a good match moving forward. And so I ended those two relationships, but then the third one actually happened last year and To be honest, I thought I was going to marry the guy. I mean, I would have bet my life savings that we were going to get married. And, you know, the relationship was really good. He was a lot of the things I've been praying for. And I was really excited and then kind of got blindsided, honestly, when he ended it. And it's been about nine months since we broke up. And Bethany and I talk about this a lot in our friendship. I'm way more of the... Hopeless romantic and optimistic, and assume that everybody's going to live happily ever after. And Bethany's more of the grounded, realist, slash, slightly skeptical one of our friendship. And I (laughs) self proclaimed. Um, Yes, absolutely. I will. (laughs) Yes. But I've seen since that breakup, I started kind of my mindset started to shift a little bit and not in a good way as far as I started kind of sitting in a little bit of that bitterness and that skepticism based on how how that relationship ended. And it's been hard, but it's been really neat to see all that God's done in the past nine months as far as just using this relationship and it ending as a tool for sanctification and for, you know. Pruning me and maturing me. And I'm starting to see that, okay, this wasn't, this didn't happen just so that I would feel crappy and that I would have a reason to listen to Taylor Swift more than I already do. But it's, you know, something that I can learn from. And I know how I want to do things differently next time I'm in a relationship. And I know there are things I'm going to look for now that I may not have paid attention to had I not been in this relationship. So right now, I guess I'm in this place of, you know, trying to recover in a healthy way from that breakup but also trying to kind of regain my more hopeful side that used to be there and I feel like I'm getting there but that's kind of how I ended up to where I am now
0: I I, um I didn't really date a ton well any really in high school or college I did other things I played sports I was you know I was focused on school and all of that. And so I didn't really date at all. And I kind of, like I was saying before, I kind of got to that place out of college where it was like, oh, I kind of missed that time where everyone's figuring dating out. You know, in high school and college, and everyone's figuring out what they're looking for and what dating looks like and how you navigate that. I kind of was behind the times a little bit. And so I was out of college and it was kind of like, okay, I want to get married, but now what do I do? And so I kind of just had to figure that out as I went. And I'm the type of person that if there's something I want, I will just jump in and figure it out. And so that's kind of what I did. I was like, Hey, this online dating thing sounds fun. Let me try that. <laughs> so I, um, I did that. I, I do that in cycles, you know, here and there I've had two, I guess I would say really serious relationships and it's kind of funny. It's funny now. It wasn't funny then, but last year I was in a very serious relationship. Um, and kind of like same with Kristen, I was like, Oh, we're going to be engaged. Like I just, that was it. And it ended up not working out. And um, I was the one that ended that. And the funny, not funny part is Kristen and I both started, we started dating these guys probably like two weeks apart. And then it ended within about three days of each other. Is that what we figured out earlier? Three or four days? Yeah. And so we were a mess for a couple of weeks after that. We were just like useless. But so much ice cream was consumed during that (laughs) week. Absolutely. Ice cream. Yeah, we kept Ben and Jerry's in business just about. But it was good. You know, we, once we were a little bit removed from it, we had some really good conversations just about because we were on different sides of it. I was the one that ended um, my relationship. And it was interesting afterwards because it was kind of like, oh, you broke up with him, so it's fine. Like, oh, you're fine. Like, you were the one that ended it. And I kind of, like, I got that reaction from several people to where I was like, no, no, like, this is not what I wanted. You know, even though I ended the relationship, it wasn't, like, what I had hoped for. And so just really kind of seeing, like, just because you're the one that ends it doesn't mean it's not hard. doesn't mean you're just fine. Like, there's still a grieving process there. And so that's the nuts and bolts of why I'm single, like, answering your question, how did you get here? But I think really it comes down to, I, ha- I'm, I haven't met the person that God has for me. Or, well, I don't think I have. I don't know anyone in that context that I have met. And, you know, and I get the question, and I'm sure both of you guys do too, the, especially in church, the, oh, but you're such a nice girl. Why aren't you married? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, what do you say to that? And so I'm like, I know you're trying to compliment me and that's so kind, but it's not helpful. But it it reminds me of the quote from Spurgeon where he basically says, if there were a condition other than the one you were in that was better for you, divine love would place you there. Mm. And at its core, that's why I'm not married because that is not what God has for me right now. And it took a while to get to a place of truly being like, I could pay lip service to that all day long. My head knew that I got it. But being at a place where, I actually believe those words that are coming out of my mouth took a little bit of time.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're anything like me, you kind of go through cycles of believing that and then not believing that and then believing Absolutely. it and not believing it.
0: Yeah. Definitely yeah, an sure. up and down process for sure.
2: For you, like what is your, your church culture? Like, is it something where you're sort of expected to get married and there's a bit of a stigma if you're
0: not? Um, My church is, I go to a small church Um, there's probably about 250 ish people. And it's kind of interesting because there's actually a pretty good number of single people there. Like our singles group that meets, we probably have 20 to 25 people. Nice. Um, and so there's, (laughs) it's great. There's always someone to hang out with. There is that pressure of like, oh, well, why aren't any of you getting together? You know, you deal with that from within the church. But at the same time, like there's <laughs> there's solidarity in numbers. And so there's not really a stigma attached to it. it. It's actually nice having more people around a high percentage, I guess you could say. One thing that I try to be very conscious of, it's really easy to get comfortable with that group of single friends and you just, you know, you're, you have your place and you're good. And then it's easy to then feel a little strange when you're not with that group. And so one thing that I've just tried to be really conscious of, and I try to really encourage people because I know it's hard in church being single. I know it is, is. It's not the only state of being that is hard. (laughs) It's hard being married. It's hard being, you know, a single mom. It's hard being widowed. It's just different from where I'm at. And so I a huge thing that is something I really try to do is be very proactive in creating community. And it's easy to get in this mindset of, Oh, well I'm single and everyone just thinks I should be married and there's something wrong with me or whatever. And trust me, I have those pity party moments. I'm not saying this from a, I've got it figured out place, but I may feel on the fringe sometimes in church because I'm not part of a core family, but that's not the only fringe I try to reach out to people who are on the fringe too and create that community that I wish someone would create for me. Sometimes be the person doing that. And maybe their fringe is not the same as mine, but I'll reach out to the single mom or the older lady who may be a widow and be like, Hey, let's go have lunch. Or how, you know, can I do something for you? Try to foster that community in a wider circle than just your single friends. And that has been so great for me I have friends and community at my church that I never would have if I hadn't been the one to take that on. And I've got the time as the single person more than others do to be able to jump in and do that. So that's something that's been so helpful for me.
2: Uh, For for you, Kristen, what has your relationship been with your church and, and have you felt like the odd person out there?
1: Um, well, my, so I was on staff with my church for close to four years, um, and left my job there to go to my job now. So it's been about nine months that honestly, I've just been enjoying attending church like a normal person for (laughs) the past few months, but I go to a pretty big church and it kind of depends on who you come in contact with. As far as the stigma goes, I remember when I first started working there, there were several people who that was the first question they'd ask, you know, are you married or do you have kids? And when I would say no, the reaction typically was like, Oh, well, that's okay. And with it, well, yes, it is. Thank you. I don't, you know, not, it wasn't rude, <laughs> but it's not like, thank you. I don't need that affirmation, but I appreciate that you think it's okay that I'm single. <laughs> um, but then there were also, you know, a lot of people who that wasn't even, you know, wanted to get to know me aside from my relationship status or my family or whatever it was. And I've found my mentors from my church and I've got my roommate I met at my church and I've developed a really um, good community there still. So I don't necessarily feel like the odd person out, I definitely feel like the single population of my church is really small. Comparatively speaking, it's mainly young families, which is kind of the demographic of our area of town. You know, we're what uh, 30, 40 miles North of Atlanta. So the further out you get, the more um, family oriented it becomes. And so I don't necessarily, like I said, feel left out but it's not like there's this thriving singles community in my church either so I've had to figure out how to navigate that whether it's through serving or you know getting in a small group or whatever that looks like Mm -hmm. another question on the
2: list I said was what is one of the let's not go worst let's go best what is one of the best (laughs) things about about singleness we can talk worst after
1: (laughs) (laughs) start with (laughs) the positive yeah honestly For me, just the opportunities and the experiences that I've had over the past five or six years, I realize a lot of them wouldn't have happened had I been married. And, you know, the place I've gotten to travel and the things I've gotten to do, you know, starting this podcast, like all of these things that are true of my life that I think, okay, there's a chance maybe this could happen when I was married or if I was married, but probably not. And I kind of have this full circle moment a few months ago my mom and I were talking and she said I'd just gotten back from Israel and she said Kristen I think it's so cool that you're getting to do all that you're getting to do and that you're getting to see all these things and go all these places because your dad and I never got that chance like we never got to do what you're doing Mm -hmm. and here was someone who I had modeled my life plan after you know I wanted my life to follow the same trajectory that hers did and yet she was looking at me and saying hey I'm I think it's really cool that your life looks like this because ours didn't. And it was this really cool reminder of, you know what, there's no one right way to do this. There are a lot of different ways and there are a lot of pros and cons to whatever direction your life takes. But I've tried to really focus on those things and be grateful for those things, especially in the moments where you're throwing those pity parties, like, I'm tired of being alone, but being able to point to those experiences and the trips and the you know friendships I've gotten to invest in and the you know all that so that's been my that's one of the best parts for me
2: yeah that's actually something I don't think I've ever thought about that really or at least not recently like that what what experiences I've been able to have that my mom who got married at 19 uh, didn't get to have now that all the whole her kids are out of the house then she's doing a lot of those things but she probably put those things on hold Mm -hmm. while she was raising kids. Right. So
1: exactly.
2: um, Yeah. What about you, Bethany?
0: I think the, for me, the best thing is probably just that I don't have to consult anyone else. I can go where I want to go and do what I want to do. And I can just be on my own to do that. Like I don't have the, the strings attached to anything else. Like it's just me. And that's really, I'm a pretty independent person. And so that's something that I tend towards anyway. And so I enjoy that. Now on the flip side, I have to consciously keep that in check because that can feed my flesh of idolizing myself and that I want what I want when I want it and do things the way I want to do them when I want to do them because there's no one to tell me not to. Mm. And so that's something that I have to guard against. And I actually probably about four or five months ago, I just had kind of been convicted about like how entrenched in my own way I was and the pride that goes along with that. And just that there's there's value in the discipline of doing things you don't like and how that could prepare you all for doing life with someone else later on down the road. And so I said, okay, I said, I need, I want to take some focus time to discipline myself to do something I don't like. So what's something I don't like doing? And the first thing that popped into my head was running. I hate running. And I said, nope, you know what? I'm going to start running. And so I did. I started going to the gym every day and started running and making myself do that. I still hate it. But I have definitely seen and it sounds so like small, but I've seen like growth and value in making myself do that one thing that I don't like to do. So that is the, the best part of it. But I have to keep it in check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like hmm,
2: running. Hmm. I actually I like to run, but I can't imagine doing it if you hated it. It's so That's much cool. work.
0: It's, yeah, it's not fun. (laughs) I still don't like it. I talked to a friend and she said, yeah, I think she was talking about her gym teacher in high school said he, he hated running, but he loved the feeling of being able to stop. And so he ran for the feeling of being able to stop running. (laughs) And I was like, that's a little weird.
1: (laughs) Wow. Good for him.
0: I know.
2: (laughs) Um, so let's flip it then. What are some of the worst or one of the worst things about being a single lady?
0: There's no one to kill all the spiders. (laughs) And no one to (laughs) open the jar of pickles if I need someone to or something. (laughs) No, I mean, that would be really nice to have someone around to do that. But, uh, it's funny because I just went into all this about like the best thing. And now I'm going to say the worst thing about it is it's like this flip side of the same coin. I have to make every decision for myself, whether it's something as trivial as what are we going to have for dinner tonight to should I spend money on this or how should I handle this um, interpersonal situation or how should I approach this like theological thing or what should I think about that or how should I do this? Like all of those things are on me to decide. And that just gets tiring. I know probably the first go-to most people think of is like loneliness is like the worst thing, but I've, I actually have a really good core group of friends who are in the same season as I am. And so I don't run into that as much, but just being the one to make every last little decision gets tiring. Is
2: that something where you worked on like bringing other people in so that they, you can, they can at least help you make those decisions, even if they can't make it for you?
0: I have more. I, I used to be way more isolating in my independence. I think, I think I looked at independence as being like, well, if I'm independent, then I'm the only one that can be involved in my independence. Um, (laughs) and I don't think that's the case anymore. So I have, I've, I've kind of brought people in a little bit more than I probably five years ago would have. And Mm -hmm. it definitely like lessens that burden for sure. Yeah. There's a certain level
2: of like, I remember when I was like in my really early 20s and I'd be like, "No, I have to do it all by myself because I'm an adult now." And now yeah. it's like, I don't <laughs> have to prove anything to anyone, you know? Exactly. Like, Someone else, please, come help me. Come, help me, <laughs> me.
0: <laughs> I love it. I totally relate to that.
2: Totally. <laughs> What about you, Kristen? What's the one of the
1: worst things about being single? So I have a funny answer and a serious answer, too. So my funny answer is that it would be way easier to hang things on my walls if I had somebody here to help me. Um, I literally had a full-on breakdown a couple years ago, which is so embarrassing. But I was trying to hang this picture, and I put so many unnecessary holes in the wall. It was crooked after my fourth <laughs> try. And I just sat down and cried. I was like, this would be so much easier if I had a husband here to help me. And it was this major over traumatization of my reality at that point but (laughs) in all seriousness the one of the worst parts about being single I'm with Bethany in that you know loneliness is definitely part of it but it's not the part that I guess rings the loudest in my ears in this case but the little like inadvertent reminders that I'm single and that I'm alone those really those are terrible from being really (laughs) blunt um it's not necessarily you know I I have a great group of friends. Obviously, the Lord is always with me. I have a wonderful family, so I'm not alone in the world, but just this, when you're in social settings and there are pairs and couples everywhere and you're by yourself, it's just really hard to accept that sometimes, like when my um, family will get together together Now, for the past two or three years, it's been this way. It'll be my grandparents and my parents and my brother and his girlfriend and my sister and her boyfriend and then me and the empty chair next to me. And after a while, it just, I don't want the empty chair next to me anymore. You know, I want somebody to be in that chair. And it's just this little like punch to the gut reminder of, hey, you're you're still by yourself. It just, it's hard sometimes to cope with that and accept it that got really deep and really like (laughs) sober I'm so sorry (laughs) but yeah yeah. uh, that makes me
2: think of like going to weddings and I like among my close friends I'm somewhat infamous for not liking weddings Mm. Um, but I mean that's just partially like me being a bit of a cynic and being like ah why are you spending all this money on this wedding? It's just, <laughs> it's just a wedding, you know. And and also yeah. just not liking crowds. But mm,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it, a
2: lot of it is just that
1: reminder of hey, it's yeah. not you getting married. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You are very keenly aware in situations like that of your singleness. So. Mm-hmm.
2: So then there's also times like today where I'm like, hey, I am not one of those people who's stuck at home with their kids right now. And I love kids. I, I yes. really do. But I just can't imagine being stuck inside with them right now.
0: Mm-mm. I, I I'm i struggling to be stuck inside with myself right now. So <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> three or four small children. Gosh,
1: <laughs> for my sake and theirs. Are these, yeah. are just these people, like Bethany and I were talking earlier today, who are engaged and their weddings are supposed to be happening right now. Yes. And you're just... Everything's been turned upside down. I mean, I can name five or six couples I know that have had to totally rearrange their wedding (laughs) plans because of this. And Mm -hmm. then you're like, Lord, this is the only time I will say this, but I'm so glad I'm not engaged right now. So thank you.
2: Yeah. And my my brother is. breaks for those people.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Like that—that's kind of one of the few things where I'm like, okay, yeah, that really sucks. Like, yeah, yeah. sure. I think your plans were too elaborate to begin with, but also that just really sucks because I know you dreamt about this for so long. Yeah, well, my yeah. brother's girlfriend uh, was in a wedding party where, yeah, their their whole wedding plan had to be scrapped and pared down to. I think they could have fifty people there at the time. Now it's down to you can only have ten people. Wow. So now anyone who's having a wedding is either not or they're just yeah. So yeah. Mm. It's good
1: time to not be engaged.
0: Yes. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) There is good in everything. And this is one of those (laughs) times where you can find the good in something. Yes.
2: (laughs) You kind of already said this, but like being single single can be painful. How do you deal with that or how have you dealt with that?
0: I I think for me, like we kind of had said, you know, it comes and goes. There's times where you're more aware of it than others. Um, One of the biggest thing that's been such a huge help for me um, is just the gift of time and the perspective that affords you. Because when you're in the middle of a situation and you're in the middle of that place of really having a hard time, it's hard to see anything but that hard time. But when you're outside of that, being able to look back, just the perspective that gives you like, you're able to look back and really clearly see the purpose behind the waiting behind that time, whether it's things you were able to do or people you're able to minister to. Like, I mean, we've said before, if we were married, we never would have started our podcast. Like why would we want to talk about dating if we were married and we just never would have. And so that we've seen just looking back over the past like year and a half, All that we've been able to do with that and just all of the conversations we've been able to start, it's been so clear and so obvious that God doesn't waste time. Or pain or suffering on whatever level that is. And just because, you know, maybe the the pain of being single is not the same, or it's not as bad by our standards as the pain of losing a loved one or something like that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And so just being able to look back and see the purpose in that, see the God's plan a little bit more looking back has been something that's so encouraging to me going forward.
1: What about you, Kristen? Um, I think, I mean, Exactly what Bethany said, as far as it comes and goes and what you were saying about weddings. I, being in somebody's wedding is one of the most difficult times to be single and, but also one of the funnest times because you get to be there for your friend. So it's up and down constantly, but something that's really helped me is something I heard at a women's conference, actually several years ago, the um, speaker was talking about singleness. She got married when she was 40, I think. And, um, she quoted the verse psalm 84 11 and the last part of that verse says no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless and she just kept repeating that phrase over and over you know no good thing does he withhold no good thing does he withhold and she made the point that if marriage were good for you right now you'd be married and there's this you know peace you can derive from that verse you know God's not going to withhold his best from his children. And so if you're seeking him and you're following him and you're being obedient and, you know, you're living in accordance to his will as best you can, and you're single, then that's his best for you right now. And, you know, when you get to the point where you meet a guy and you get engaged, and you get married, then, you know, that's God's best for you then. But being able to rest in the fact that, you know, I try to pray for God's best as much as I can, you know, Lord, give me your best. And so if that's where I'm at right now, then great. If being with somebody isn't your best, like I don't want that. Like as great as it may seem from the outside, it, you know, I could be being protected from something or there could be something I can't see that wouldn't be your best for me if I were in this relationship. So being able to kind of go back to that and just remind myself that Lord, your best is better than what my what I think is best. A lot of times, and if I can remember that, it's going to make being single a whole lot easier.
2: Mm-hmm. There's something also like sort of freeing to that as well, because mm-hmm. it it means that I am not single because I did something wrong, mm-hmm. and I know that earlier in life. And even sometimes now, it's like I am single because I have some sort of fatal flaw.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I I've
2: literally said the same to Kristen thing.
0: before, I've said, "Kristen, it's like I'm not saying this from like this pity party place. I, I'm legitimately asking. You will tell me. I know." Is there something wrong with me from the standpoint of, is there some huge blind spot I have that I should be working on that is so like repellent to guys? Like, I want to know so I can fix it. Not like, woe is me, but I want to fix it. And that's something that I struggle with is just like, there doesn't have to be some big reason, something wrong with you. It's just not God's time right now which is easier said than done. Way, way easier said than done. Oh, for sure. Yeah, of course it is.
1: Well, I think when you can go back to, and we've already kind of alluded to this, but when you can point to things that God has done, like incredible things he's done, growing things he's done in your life, because like during your singleness, then you begin to recognize, okay, here's... Part of the purpose. I'll probably never stay in the entire uh, understand the entire purpose on this side of heaven. You know that'll be a question I'll have when I get up there. When I'm sure I won't care at that point, but (laughs) we can joke now. But you know, being able to say, you know what, we wouldn't have started this podcast if I had got married at 21, and I, you know, wouldn't have probably started my blog, and I wouldn't have traveled to where I've gone to, and I wouldn't have this friendship, and I wouldn't be here. And you can point to things that are physical reminders of, hey, there's purpose in this season. And that's something that I can hold on to right now.
2: So you mentioned it a few times about, you know, how important it is to you now that you started this podcast. And why was it important to, to you to start that podcast? What was sort of the impetus to that?
0: we actually, it all started at a pool party. We, I had hosted a pool party, um, one Memorial day here. And after everyone had left, there were four or five girls still here. And I don't even remember the exact specifics of what we were talking about, but boys came up and we were talking about dating. And I said, you know, dating sure would be a lot easier if I wasn't a Christian. Hmm. Because there's a whole, like there's an, I don't wish that were the case. I was just stating a fact that it would be much easier because there's an elevated standard to what you're looking for when you are pursuing Christ. And so everyone, you know, in the room agreed. And we just talked about how there is the hookup culture that you see so prevalently in the world. And then there is the super conservative, like courtship only purity culture in the church. And as a Christian, if you don't belong in either of those camps, you're kind of stuck sometimes. You're in this limbo place. And so that, I mean, our podcast is called looking for the middle because we are looking for the middle point between those two extremes. And so for us, obviously the, the way the world dates was not an option that was out. And so then looking at how prevalent the purity culture was for us, especially like late nineties, early thousands, like that was so popular. But the problem with that is it takes you from completely single to marriage. It doesn't talk about that in between spot. And we've kind of termed that the gap problem. Like there is this gap that is a huge knowledge gap for so many Christians because they were never taught how to date. So we talk about things that are practical we talk about how to flirt we talk about you know things to say to someone if you're interested in them how to let a guy know you're interested we've done surveys and interviews with guys saying hey how best can a girl let you know she's interested stuff like that because we wanted to start a conversation that was not rooted in either of those extremes that i talked about Mm -hmm. so what would yeah what would you say Kristen?
1: Yeah, I think it was really important for us, one, because we felt like this wasn't a topic that the church talked about enough. And even when we went to start the podcast, we searched, you know, Christian dating in, you know, Apple Podcasts and all that. And there really weren't any. There have been a couple more come out that came out right around when we did. But it was so important that we wanted to talk about this specific topic within the faith-based community because yeah, we wanted to talk about the, the biblical perspective of dating and obviously the Bible doesn't talk about dating, but it talks about how to, you know, follow Christ and it talks about what godly relationships look like and how you can, you know, model your dating after that. And so we wanted to talk about that, but then like Bethany said, we also wanted to talk about the practical side and we thought it was really important to address both to be helpful. And we've kind of, you know, taken this, I don't think we intended to do this, but like, what do we wish people had told us when we were, you know, dating or we were starting to date and people that are dating in current culture. Cause I mean, my parents talked to me about dating, but dating in the eighties and dating now is very different. (laughs) And so there weren't cell phones, there was no online dating, there's no social media and just complicates everything. So it was just really important that we kind of got into all of the weeds of that but then also basing it on the fact that yes our faith does elevate our standard of dating and what does that look like and how do we honor the lord well with our singleness and with our relationships and when we're dating and all that
2: well it sounds like i need to go back into your archives and look up some episodes
1: (laughs) 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 we would love that yes we love
0: that there's some like skills there that, that i feel like i'm definitely lacking <laughs> <laughs> i will say that it's funny the one the episodes that are the most popular are the ones where we talk about flirting or how to let a guy know you're interested i'm like okay so these two things are what people want to know so we just talk about it more <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. So where has the podcast taken you since, you know, where where you started to where you are now? What have some of the opportunities been? What have some of the uh, challenges been?
1: Just the fact that more people than our moms and our friends listen to it is really exciting because that was kind of <laughs> our goal is just if we can get more people to listen than our inner circle, then we're good. And we've been really blessed to have a really, you know, our audience has grown a lot over the past nearly two years now. And i think the the coolest thing for me personally is when we get emails or dms on instagram from girls all over the world i mean i got a dm from a girl in australia last week and they're you know asking for advice and they're asking for help and um, or they're just, you know, saying, hey, this was really helpful because I just went through this situation and I listened to this episode. So thank you. And it that's when it started to feel like ministry. And it wasn't just, hey, we're sitting in my room talking into a microphone or in my <laughs> closet in the early days. Um, we are, you know, helping people and we're a voice of counsel for some of these women in a lot of ways. And so there's this weight to that on one hand that you want to make sure that you're giving good, strong, godly advice, but at the same time, it's such a privilege that we get to help these women in ways that we wish someone had been there to help us. So that's been my favorite thing as far as just Mm -hmm. what we've gotten to do and who we've gotten to speak to.
0: Yeah, I think it's really cool just being able to see how, and I don't want to like over-spiritualize something that's not. We had this idea and we wanted to start a podcast, so we bought a microphone and we started talking. But it's really cool to just see how God rewards you taking a step and being faithful to his word and promoting like scripture and what he, his standards are. And I don't think we went into it with that as our goal. We just wanted to talk about boys because we sit around and talk about it all the time at home. Like we might as well talk about it with other people. But two years later, it's been downloaded in over a hundred countries, which like, we're still like, wait, what? people, people want to oh know what we've been to Like, it, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even know that was a country. Okay. Um, but mm. there's like Kristen said, there's a weight to that. And it's been so humbling to just see how God can use something when you're being true to his word and you're just being, a good steward of what he's given you. Uh, I was talking to my dad. He's like, Who knew your gift of rambling would actually turn out to be helpful? I'm like, See? <laughs> um, but just seeing how much God can use something. And even in our lives, like I think we have both seen a lot of change and growth in us personally because of doing this. Like I am a different person when it comes to how I approach dating for sure, 100% than I was then. And so I think just seeing how big God is and how he does different stuff. It's just really cool.
2: Mm-hmm. So where do you guys go to for the, for
1: advice then? Each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, literally though. I mean, really though. Yes, yeah. Bethany is one of mine. Or what's the the worst thing is when you're in a predicament and Bethany will be like, hey, Kristen, I remember this girl that said this on this podcast one time? They'll go back and it was me. And I'm like, wow, I needed to give myself advice. Clearly, <laughs> I was at a wiser point at one time than I am now. No, but I mean, I still I talked to my mom yeah. about dating. I have two mentors I'm really close to that I talk to a lot about my uh, dating life that they've been instrumental in my just growth as a person all around, but particularly in my that part of my life. And then yeah. Bethany's younger sister is actually we my best friend. We've been best friends since we were twelve. and she's been married for two and a half years now. She's about to have her first baby. And it's nice having, you know, I've got a couple of friends that have gotten married within the last three or four years, and it's nice to have them kind of one step ahead of you where you're asking them. Questions of, hey, you're not too far removed from where I'm at right now, but you're also a little bit ahead of me. So, can you give me some advice on X, Y, Z? And they're really awesome to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I have a couple of my closer friends are are yeah, they're married. Well, both of them have been married for a few years now, but but I've definitely gone to them or I've told them things. The, and <laughs> I remember one time I. um was kind of sort of like in the beginnings of dating the person I had met in online. And um, I said something to him on Facebook that, that, that sparked a fight. And I told, oh, no. <laughs> told oh, my, my good friend this, and she's like, yeah, that was actually really offensive. Why did you say that? I'm like,
0: <laughs> because it was true. Yes, <laughs> We Aww. all need those friends who will be like, yeah, that was not a good idea. <laughs> As much as I hate hearing it in the moment, I'm like, okay, Kristen, you're right. I know. But still,
1: <laughs> it's important to have those people. It is. Sure. I
0: I'm really a mean person. I didn't know. <laughs> I, know. That's, I feel like I'm the same way. I go to Kristen. I'm like, okay, here's what I mean. And here's what I have like typed out to say. I'm like, is that what's coming across? I'm like, you know, my tone, but does that what comes through here? because it's hard sometimes. But yeah, I think I, um, I go to Kristen a lot. If we're talking like super practical, I'm like, okay, I need to know what to say in this text. Like she and I will talk about that. And then I've got kind of, like she said, like some, a, a few ladies. And then my mom who are like a stage ahead who, when I need like the mom advice, you know, or the, the big life stuff, then I'll go to them and run stuff by them. But and then yeah, we we get we throw our own words in each other's faces a good bit
2: too. <laughs> how dare you use that word? Why is yeah. that against me? I, know. <laughs> I'm
0: like, like, I can't oh, tell you how many times not. we've been like, wait, so I have to follow my own advice is what you're telling
1: me here? <laughs> like
0: it doesn't seem like such a good idea anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there this a sense of like accountability you feel once you say this to a microphone that goes on the internet, you think, oh wow okay now I yep. have to actually do this like I yep. can't just take easy way out on this <laughs>
2: so. but it's well, fun now that we've talked about that the last question I had was what advice would you give to other single Christian women so
0: Kristen take it away
1: my advice for single Christian women would be like I said earlier there are pros and cons to every season of life and I think my advice would be to not just focus on the cons of where you are and the pros of where you want to be, because I think that's where we get in trouble. And you know, I know for me that it's really easy when, for instance, when I'm somebody's maid of honor and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not fun. And I want to be the one that's, you know, getting married and I want to be the one this and blah, blah, blah. And it's so easy for me to list all the bad things about my circumstances and all the great things about my friends getting married. But then you fail to realize, hey, there are a lot of really good things about where I'm at right now. And there are a lot of things that are going to be hard for my friend as she goes into marriage. Not that they're not, marriage isn't great, but there are hard parts to it. And I think if we are constantly having this mindset of what's next is better, then we're never going to be happy. And because, you know, I heard somebody say one time, I'm going to butcher this quote, but... At one point, you wished you were where you are right now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think about like five years ago. I was graduating college, and oh my gosh, I cannot wait to be done with school and then to move out into my own apartment. Well, now I'm out of school and I'm in my own apartment, and it could be so easy for me to just disregard that now and move on. And be like, okay, well now I can't wait to you know meet a guy, and then we get married, and then I can you know buy a house and all of that stuff that's going to come hopefully one day. But then I'm totally just ignoring all the great things about each season that I go through. And so I think we have a really unique opportunity right now in our singleness to practice appreciating and being grateful for and content in where we're at. I'm not saying, you know, your desire for marriage goes away if you have that. Like you can be content and still want to be married. Mm -hmm. But if you can just practice contentment now and not constantly be looking for what's coming that will serve you well in every single season because then when you do get a boyfriend you're going to enjoy it and then when you get engaged you're going to enjoy it and then when you get married and when you have kids and all that you'll be soaking in all those good things and so that would be my advice is to learn to focus on the good parts of where you're at and not to only romanticize everything that's coming in the future, you know, have a practical mindset about it and just be grateful for where you're at in the moment.
0: I love that. Um, I think the one thing I would tell single Christian women is, and the sooner you solidify this in your mind, the better off you'll be. It took me longer than I wish it had, but just really firm up in your mind that you are in no way any less of a person, any less of a Christian—you're not less mature, less anything because you're single. I think a lot of times it, um, it not on purpose—it's not an intentional thing—but being single is viewed as less than or oh it's okay you'll 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 get there like it's this thing you achieve like once you get to this certain level like you level up to marriage and you get you know that's your prize it's a husband we're not promised marriage and that's okay you're not any less of a person because you're single you are a complete human being because god created you in his image period and there's so much freedom in coming to terms with that and just really realizing that you are exactly who God created you to be now, obviously you're not perfect for ever being sanctified and being conformed to his image, but you're not less than because you're single and your friend is not automatically more mature because she's not and resting in that. And I know it's so cliche. Everyone's like, Oh, well you just find your identity in Christ, but you do, you find your identity in who he says you are. Like you create your identity based on, who he says you are as opposed to trying to take what the world says your identity is and shove it into something that looks like christianity that should inform your identity and so getting to a place of fully surrendering that and surrendering it over and over and over more likely too um it's just a really good place to be it's very freeing and it's something that i have to consciously do regularly it's not a one and done kind of thing i don't think
2: Like to hear more of Bethany and Kristen, look up "Looking for the Middle" on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Old Maid is written and produced by Geraldine Witchers. Connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Old Maid
0: Pod. See you next week.